Welcome to the Grace Capital City Podcast. We are a community of Jesus followers located in Washington, D.C., working to see God's kingdom come through worship, family, and justice. For more information about our church, go to gracecapitalcity.com. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoy this week's message. going to give a short message, which I know that's famous last words of preachers all over the world, so we'll see how that goes. But seriously, we, we are so glad you're here. This is, this is a night we prayed about, we've been planning, the singers have been rehearsing, the bands have been rehearsing, and uh, in a little bit we're going to see the kids do their thing, which is going to be amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, just excited about what God's already done and what He's going to do. So thank you for coming out. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to John chapter 1. If you have a Bible app, you can scroll to John chapter 1. That's partial credit. And I want to read uh, the first 18 verses from the Gospel of John and then just give a short word from there. Something just first to think about at Christmas. I know for many of us, it's like, man, Christmas already, but it, it's coming. It's coming real quick, 10 days away. And uh, we want to start focusing our attention, our hearts, and our minds. Remember, just as, as Roderick was reminding us, the coming of Christ, the Emmanuel, that God put on flesh and bone and made his way among us. So this is, how, this is how the writer of John said it, spoke about this Christmas moment. John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world and, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Let me pray for us. And Father, we bless you and we thank you that your word is living and active. And that by your Holy Spirit, you lead us into revelation and encounter every time we open it. And so we ask for revelation. We ask for fresh perspective. We ask you, ask you would speak to our minds and our hearts and our souls tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. 
When I was uh, growing up, I, I grew up in Australia, in case you hadn't figured out where this weird convict accent comes from. Um, I grew up in Australia, and I, I was one of those kids coming through high school that got to the end of high school, had a sense that I wanted to do some further study. I thought I should go to university or college, but I didn't, I didn't know what to study. I, was, I didn't have a clear, like, I'm going to be a doctor, or I'm going to be a lawyer, or I'm going to be a teacher, or something like that. I was like, I should go to university. And so I did the degree you do when you don't know what degree to do, okay? I'm going to tell you the name of that. There may be some others, but this is, this is a, a good one, all right? I did a communications degree. Come on. Who's, anyone here did a communications degree? Does anyone know what it really was about? I'm, the irony is I'm preaching to you tonight, so maybe I did learn something. I don't know, but... I was, I'm doing, going to do communication somewhere on the way. I'll, I'll figure out what, what this was all about. And so it, at some level, I look at it, and I'm like, okay, what was I really doing, doing this degree? But another level, I look back on that time of my life, and it was in that season, right around 19, 20 years old, where God, God got a grip of my heart. Like, like I became enamored by the gospel. I was just overwhelmed with the goodness of God. And so I remember having this call to ministry, thinking I'm, I'm supposed to be a pastor and a whole bunch of circumstances played into that. And so I get to the end of my communications degree. Apparently I'd learned how to communicate by that stage. And I was like, well, if I'm going to be a pastor, I realize I don't know anything. I should probably figure out what this book says. I should probably figure out how to preach and pastor people. And so immediately I re-enrolled back to university. This time I'm like, I'm going to do something that I think counts, you know. So I enrolled in a Bachelor of Ministry at a local Bible college. The first class I ever did, it was called Introduction to Old Testament, and it was, it was taught by a lecturer named David McGregor, which is a great Scottish name, David McGregor. And he, was, he, he, would go, he ended up being my favorite, favorite lecturer. But I remember sitting there, my very first class of, of Bible college, and I've got my, my pad and my pen and my Bible, and I'm ready to take notes. And David McGregor gets up there, and he says, okay. He says, let me give you two major themes of the Old Testament. He's write these down. He says, he says, the Old Testament is the story of God's covenant people and God's faithfulness to them. And he says it is also the story of God's covenant people discovering who God is. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, whoa, what's a covenant, right? That, okay. <laughs> Figure that one out. I'm going to ask him after the lecture. Okay. But that, that's the story. That, that was his theme. He said, he said God's covenant people are asking the question, who are you, God? And all throughout the Old Testament, we, we start to see this, this question explored, don't we? You think about all these interactions that people have with God throughout the Old Testament. All of them, it's almost like a, a mosaic, a jigsaw, where we're getting a little bit of revelation, a little bit of insight, a little bit of a glimpse of who God is. Adam and Eve walk with God through the garden. Noah and the flood, Abraham and Isaac, right? These are glimpses, little, little, little pieces of the jigsaw. With David and Solomon in the temple, right? They, they create this temple, the Holy of Holies, to encounter God, to, to come to God face to face. They're getting a glimpse of God. I, I love Isaiah 9. He says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, right? It's an encounter with God. Mo Moses on Mount Sinai, seeing God. All these stories 
giving us a glimpse, giving us a little piece of revelation. Who are you, God? What are you like? Are you approachable? Are you knowable? Can we see you? Can we encounter you? What's your character like? Right? And, and it feels like at some level we read the Bible and we're like, oh, okay. We take all these stories and, and, and we've, we're starting to figure it out. We're starting to know who God is because of all these stories, all these encounters. And then we read this chapter that we just read. And I, I don't know if you noticed it, but there's a little throwaway line. And I say throwaway, but it's not throwaway at all. It's just it's easy for us to overlook in, in verse 18 where, where John says something really interesting. He says, he says, no one has ever seen God. And, and I'm reading that. And I'm like, John, come on, bro. <laughs> You're kind of pouring cold water in this whole thing. You're kind, of the, you're kind of ruining our party here because we thought we were figuring out who God is. Like I figured out a little bit through Moses and I figured out a little bit through David and a little bit through Solomon and a little bit through Ezekiel, right? I mean, I mean now you're telling me no one has ever seen God? Like, what, what, what are you talking about? No one has ever seen God. There's all these stories of people seeing God. How can you tell me now that no one has ever seen Ever seen God? What, what is John talking about? How can he say that? No one has ever seen God. There's a, there's a story in, in Exodus 33 that I think gives us some insight, some revelation into this. And it's this moment where Moses is on Mount Sinai and he makes a famous request of God. Does anyone remember what the request is? Free eggnog if you get it right. Okay. <laughs> Show me your glory. Do you remember that? I think it's Exodus 33, somewhere around there. And he says, says to God, Show me, let me see your glory. Let me see your glory. And if you know the story, what happens is God says, Ha ha, that's cute. <laughs> Real cute, Moses. How about we do this? How about we compromise? How about you hide in the cleft of a rock so I don't burn your eyes out? <laughs> and I'm going to walk by, and then when I've walked by, you step out and you can see my back walking away. I think that's the best we can do for right now. Okay. And so that's what happens. They're on this mountain, and Moses has this encounter where God walks by him in the cleft of a rock, and Moses comes out and sees God's back walking away from him. Jeff, come up here for a second. You ever know Jeff? Come on. If you know Jeff, if you know Jeff, you love Jeff. Just stand there for a minute. How long have I known you for? Maybe four years, something like that. I know Jeff pretty well. He's a good friend. Just to turn around like this. Imagine if I told you this is my friend Jeff, but I've only seen his back. But it's a pretty good back, right? I mean... I know some things that he's got a hairline I would die for. I mean, he's got good shoulders. This guy's worked out some CrossFit in this man's history. I can tell. I mean, I, it's not like I don't know anything about him. I, I, I know his form. I know some general things. You would probably say, okay, you've got some form of dysfunctional friendship going on here that you've never actually seen his face. But I say, well, well, Jeff's my friend. I've just never seen his face. I've just seen his back. I know Jeff. I, I just don't know what his face looks like. I know some things about him. What would you say? You'd probably say, well, you don't really 
know him. Do you? Take a seat. Give it up for Jeff. Come on. <laughs> Guys, here's my point. Here's my point here. You see, the, the, image, the imagery of God passing by Moses in the rock is really important for a number of different reasons. One of the reasons it is important, one of the reasons it, it speaks a message to our relationship with God right now is because in a lot of ways, it's kind of what the Old Testament sees of God. In a lot of ways, it's kind of like the revelation of God in the Old Testament. It's not that they don't know anything about God. They, they, they see his form, his shadow, his glimpse. They get a taste of God. They, they, they see a, a side of God, right? But, but it's not complete, is it? It's a foretaste. It's a shadow. It's not the full picture, right? It's kind of like God walking past Moses in the cleft of the rock. And friends, I want to suggest to you that what John is saying in verse 18, compared to what you're about to see, it's like you haven't seen God at all. It's like you've seen nothing. You think you've seen God, but you've just been looking at his back. You've just seen a shape. You've just seen a shadow. You've just seen a glimpse, a taste. And, and John is telling us, compared to what is about to come, you may as well have not seen God at all. Friends, let, let, me, let, me, let me tell us this. At Christmas, right, when God put on flesh, that's what we're talking about, isn't it? God put on flesh, skin, bones, all the rest of it, veins, all of it, right? God put on flesh. It was like he turned around. And I'd been looking at his back. And in Jesus, he turned around and faced me and said, this is who I am. In Jesus, we have seen God. It was like we had been looking at a grainy black and white TV and all of a sudden it became high definition. It was like I thought all Jeff had to offer me was his back and a nice jacket. And all the time I, he turned around and I saw a beard and a face. I was like, oh, that's who you are. Friends, John is saying it's like you hadn't seen God at all. But in Jesus, he has turned around and he has stared us in the face. And all of a sudden, we have seen the glory of God. Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus is the exact, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Friends, in Jesus, we have finally seen God. No longer shadow, no longer just a foretaste, no longer a glimpse. We have seen the fullness of who God is. God is in Jesus. And that means a lot, right? I, I don't know what you think about that. It, it means a lot. When we think about Christmas, we think about God appearing as a baby, right? We think about that night that it happened, and, and we know it was a holy night. I, I dare to say it probably wasn't a silent night. But we learned some things about God when God turned around and faced us. We learned some things about God because now we've seen God. See, we, see, we learned, now that we've seen God, we learned that God was born among sheep and cows and manure, not in a palace or in a castle. Friends, we have seen God. We learned that God himself had to flee as a refugee 
from a government that wanted to kill him as a baby. He had to, he had to flee from persecution, flee from death. Friends, we have seen God. We, we learned that, that, that God was not just raised in fine clothes with no responsibility, never worked a day in his life. No, no, no. This is a God of sweat and sandals and, and, and blood and tears and, and weird middle school puberty and, and, and all the stuff that all of us have experienced. Friends, we have seen God. We learned that God is a God who didn't have a lot of time for the people in power, but he had a lot of time for the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the outcast. That he was a friend to the oppressed, but he was an enemy to the oppressor. We have seen God. And we learned that God allowed himself to be abused and humiliated and tortured and ultimately crucified as a common criminal. We have seen God. Friends, this is Emmanuel. This is who God is. And, and I don't know what you think about it, but it completely defies logically what I think God should do. If Jesus is the face of God, if this is who God is revealed to be, not in grainy black and white, but in high definition, it's, it's like, Whoa, that's who you are, God, right? It completely defies it. He's not raised in a palace. He, he's, not, he's not keeping and lording power over other people. He's giving it away. He's raising up the oppressed. He's a different kind of king. Because he's not just the king. He's the king of kings. Right? He's not just the Lord. He's the Lord of lords. And he's establishing a different kind of kingdom. Friends, you, you want to know what God is like this Christmas? God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. Which means God is a friend of sinners. That's good news for me. Means God is a champion of the oppressed. Which means God is on the side of mercy. That God is on the side of righteousness. That God is on the side of faithfulness. Friends, if you want to know what God is like, you just need to read the Gospels and encounter the face of Jesus. Because God has turned around and faced us in the person of Jesus. And we thought we had seen God, but now we have seen God. Because in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. I'll finish with this thought. Do you realize Jesus never wrote down a word? And at least not one we know about, which is, actually that's not entirely true. I think it's John 8. He writes something in the dust. It's blown away by the wind. We don't even know what it was. But we have this whole book about Jesus, and he didn't write a word of it. I mean, in some ways, it would be easier, right? Instead of going through all these human hands, Matthew, Mark, and Paul, and all these, all these other guys, right? Why, why, why don't Jesus just write the gospel of Jesus? And then we'll just be like, well, the other stuff's good, but the gospel of Jesus, that's where it's at, right? I mean, Jesus wrote it himself. It would seem a lot simpler to us if Jesus wrote some words down himself, right? I mean, surely that it seems logical to my human brain. But friends, I, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why 
See, Jesus didn't have to write any words because Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word. There's an author named Brian Zahn. He says it this way. He says, Jesus is what God has to say. Anything God wants to communicate to us, he has communicated in Jesus. Jesus is God's message to you tonight. Jesus is God's message to Washington, D.C. Jesus is God's message to your family. Jesus is God's message to your workplace. Jesus is the Word of God. He is the face of God, and He is the message of God. He is the face of God, and He is the voice of God. If you want to know what God has to say to you, look to the person of Jesus. He communicated a message to all of humanity through all time in the person of his son, Jesus. Friends, Jesus is the word of God. And at Christmas, we celebrate that God has made his face known. And at Christmas, we celebrate that God has made his voice heard. And it was a holy holy night when finally we as people, as sons and daughters of God, we saw his face and we heard his voice. We have seen God. We have seen God. Let's pray. And so Jesus, we bless you. We bless you. Thank you, God, for the revelation of who you are the radiance of your glory, the exact representation of your being, we have seen you in the person of Jesus. And God, we take hold of that as as we see the nativity, as we celebrate Christmas, as we remember all these beautiful things about this, this holiday and this celebration. God, let us not miss your face. Let us not miss what you have said to us in Jesus in how Jesus lived, in how Jesus ministered, in how Jesus loved the unlovable, touched the leper, moved towards the unclean. God, let, it, let that grab our hearts. Let that impact our lives. Let that change our churches. God, we have seen you. We have seen you. We thank you, Emmanuel. Thank you that you are not a distant deity in the sky. You are God with us. Here with us, as close as our breath, speaking, pouring out revelation, longing to be intimate with all your people. And we bless you. And all God's people said together, amen, amen.